morning and Merry Christmas again to all of you. Um, I read this week an article. It was written about a group of actors in New York City who decided to take the phrase, see yourself in others, quite literally. They were given mirrored cubes to strap onto their heads. And so where there was once a head, there was a mirrored kind of cube. And they would walk down the street. There was about 20 of them. They would walk down the street And, of course, they could see out the mirror, and as others looked at them, the others could only see their own reflections. And the response was really quite amazing. They had it all on film. Some people were embarrassed when they saw themselves in, you know, the reflection. Other people just kind of thought, well, that's kind of weird, and just kind of walked walked by. Other people uh, kind of stood and looked at themselves for a while in the reflection of the face of another. And as I read the story, I saw that video, I thought to myself, you know, it's really true that if you look closely and carefully and with empathy at other people, you, you can see yourself in others. And, and when you do, there's a lot that can be learned. And that's what we've been doing in this sermon series all throughout the month of December. We've been in the sermon series called I Was There, and we've been looking at the characters of the first Christmas, and we've tried to kind of step into their shoes and see what that first Christmas was like from their perspective. And as we've done so, I don't know about you, but as I've done so, I've really learned a lot and seen myself in others. And today, we're going to look at the final character. We've looked at the shepherds, the wise men. We looked at Herod. Last week, we looked at Joseph. Today, we're going to look at the final character in the Christmas drama, Mary the mother of Jesus. So we're really happy that you chose to be with us today. This is Christmas Eve, of course, and uh, just what a wonderful time of the year and a great time to also be in worship. If you're a guest, thank you for joining us. This is your first time here. We're so glad you chose to be with us. We want you to feel at home today. If we can help you or serve you in some way, please let us know. If you are visiting, I would like to ask you to fill out the Connect card. It's in the back of the seat right in front of you. Fill that out. Place that in the offering plate when it's passed later in the service. Let us know that you are here today. We'd just like to thank you for coming. Also, if you want to get some information about our church today, you can go out into the lobby area next to the coffee. There's a guest information area. We have gift bags, a few little gifts that are in there, and also some information about our church. We'd love for you to take that with you. We're so happy to have all the people who are watching online today. Many people are traveling and they're tuning in through Facebook to watch the service today. Also, we've got people in our family room and overflow room that are also right there and they're watching us also via the broadcast and we're happy that all of them are there as well. All right. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Luke chapter 1. If not, that's okay. The, the text is going to be up here on the screen behind me. Let's read about Mary and her experience in the first Christmas. Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, of the, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, 
You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. What must it have been like to be Mary? Think about this, this angel coming to her, these instructions giving to, given to her, what would happen to her over the next several months, and then to walk that path, the ridicule, the shame of being an unwed mother, the misunderstanding by others, coupled with the promises of God here that God's going to do this amazing work in her life, and then At the end of all this, the birth of Christ. Can you imagine when she held that baby in her arms? To know that she had given birth to the Son of God. What an amazing thing to think about. And so as we've done with each one of these people throughout the whole month of December, I'd like for you to hear what might have been Mary's perspective to get inside of her life a little bit and hear from her as to what her experience was that first Christmas. I was nobody special. We were poor, ordinary people, yet the angel came to me. Do not be afraid, Mary, he said, for you have found favor with God. Later I learned that he was Gabriel, a messenger sent from the throne room of God. He told me I would conceive and bear a son. He said, you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. I asked the angel, how can this possibly be since I am a virgin? It wasn't that I didn't believe it. I believed everything he had told me. I just didn't understand. How could such a wonderful thing take place and how could it happen to me? Then Gabriel explained. He said the Holy Spirit would come over me in such a way that the power of God would encompass me. And in the shadow of his overarching glory, I would become pregnant. My child would be the Holy Son of God. The birth of Isaac to Abraham and Sarah in their old age was a miracle. But the birth of my baby would be even more miraculous. Born of a virgin, he would be human and divine. God and man. The Son of God and the Son of a humble Nazarene girl. Then the messenger said, nothing will be impossible with God. I believed him. I knew becoming pregnant before I was married would put my reputation at stake and jeopardize my relationship to Joseph. It could even put my life in danger. But I was willing. I knew that God's hand was upon me. Humbly, I surrendered. God, whatever you want, I want. Everything Gabriel announced to me came true. When the time for the baby's birth was approaching, Joseph had a difficult decision to make because the census was being taken and each man had to go to the city of his ancestors to enroll his household. For Joseph, that was Bethlehem, the city of David. 
Should he leave me at home in Nazareth? I'd be treated so rudely, for everyone knew I was pregnant before my marriage. Should he take me along? It would be such a difficult trip for a pregnant woman involving days of grueling travel. But I longed to see Bethlehem again, so Joseph took me with him. We arrived in Bethlehem late one afternoon. The town was swarming with people. I was so tired, but there was no place to stay. The inns were full. People saw me and quickly looked away. My situation was obvious, but no one cared to give up his room for me. My labor was beginning, and at last Joseph returned with the news that he had found a place to stay. It was only a stable, but it would be warm and safe. I gave birth to Jesus during that night. We wrapped him in what we had, long strips of cloth, and we laid him in a manger. There wasn't much light, only a small oil lamp, but I could see the features of his tiny face, and I cried. Everything from the last nine months came back to me. The words of the angel, the inspired words of Elizabeth, the message of the angel to Zachariah, the looks of ridicule from the people in my village. I thought of Joseph and his firm faith in what the angel had told him. I remembered his tender care for me throughout my pregnancy. And I looked at that baby in wonder. And I cried with joy. She said at Jesus' birth that she remembered all that had happened over the last nine months. What an adventure for this young teenage girl. You know, there is no more majestic nor miraculous fact of Christianity than God becoming man. It is the foundation of our faith in many ways. The fact that God would be born through a human being. The divine conception of Jesus mingled with the fleshly birth of Christ is the centerpiece of the gospel. If Jesus were God and not man, he could not have empathized with us nor identified with our sin as it says he did in Hebrews chapter 4. And if he were man and not God, he would have not have been our sinless Savior who would have served us the sacrifice for you and me and paid our way to heaven through his death. This is the truth of Jesus. Jesus was not part God and part man. He was fully God and fully man. This is the miracle, the paradox, the reality of Christmas. And in God's amazing plan, with all that in God's amazing plan, he chose to use a young teenage girl of no particular importance to give birth to the Son of God. And so I want us to look at her Today, I want us to look at her response. It is my goal for us today to have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> I've been kind of ready for that all week, just to, ready to share that. <laughs> what I mean is that I want us to have a Christmas that's characterized by the faith of this young woman. So as we look here in the passage in Luke chapter 1, we're going to see several things. First of all, we're going to see that her initial response was filled with fear and with questions. If we look in verses 28 through 30, it says, and he, that is Gabriel, the angel, came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying. That word troubled can mean distressed. Terrified is the idea. And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Uh, Okay, why are you coming to me? And and immediately when kind of God shows up as an angel, right? There might be fear. We can understand that. Terror. The immediate response is, what did I do that was wrong? (laughs) I mean, here you are. What does the angel say? The angel said to her, do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Well, the first thing that we learn is that the angel Gabriel shows up. Angels were very busy during the Christmas story. They had showed up for the shepherds, for Joseph, for Zechariah, and now they'd showed up for Mary. In the Bible, in every one of these instances, in the Christmas narrative, people were afraid when the angels showed up. And again, we can identify with that. Is there punishment coming? Is there judgment coming? Maybe that's what was going on. But the first words from every one of the angels, as they made this news about Christ's birth, the first words uttered by them were, do not be afraid. And I just think we need to pause there because I think that tells us something inherently about the meaning of Christmas. All of us have fears in life. Kids, you kind of have fears of some stuff, right? When I was a kid, maybe your age, I had a fear. Believe it or not, I had a fear of rabbits. And I I just looked at them funny. I don't know what it was. About eight years old, I had some relatives, had a farm. They raised rabbits, and I would see them from a distance or maybe in a pen and I would see the way that they nibbled and gnawed on food with those teeth and their nose twitching and, uh, you know, those eyes kind of staring back at me. I don't know what it was. Some of you have this thing with clowns, right? I had this thing with rabbits. They produced those round, weird pellets, that kind of thing. (laughs) So my uncle knew this, and he made me sit down one day and set a cute little cuddly bunny rabbit, you know, on my lap. And after a while, I began to kind of pet it, stroke it, and it began to feel safe to me. But it, it took a while. It took me coming close to it. Here's, here's the truth mostly about fear. Isn't this true? We fear the things that we don't know. In fact, almost all fear is rooted in some form of ignorance, isn't it? Once we know, fears tend to be relieved. This is the message of Christmas. God has come near to you and me. Jesus intentionally born in that manger. It was God saying, I want to come near to you. I am coming to you on your turf, in your way, speaking your words, in your flesh, so that you might come near to me. And as you come near to me, there is no need to be afraid of me any longer. And so this Christmas, I mean, part of the message is for us to release our fears of God. What is it that's standing between you and God? What is it that you fear about God, his plan for your life? His purpose for you. What is he asking? What, what is it about God that is frightening you, that is scaring you? Can this be the time where you remove those fears between yourself and God and let go of them? Now, it's really important to understand the nature of God in the flesh, the nature of this baby here in the manger. This baby had some characteristics that's important for us to look at. So if we look in verses 34 and 35... Mary responds to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, notice her form of questioning here. It's not the same form of questioning as Zechariah had when he was in the temple. Zechariah disbelieved. Zechariah believed it couldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. 
Mary believed it could happen. She just didn't understand how it would happen. So God was very gracious. The angel gives her some explanation as to how this is going to happen. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born, look at his characteristics here, the child to be born will be called holy. Now, parents, your kids, when they're born, they may be cute and cuddly, but they are not holy. (laughs) In fact, they're rather unholy. (laughs) It's true. What's true of them is true of all of us, right? They're sin-stained. Christ was born holy. That was the first thing that was true about him, and that he will be called the son of God. So he isn't primarily labeled as the son of Joseph. He isn't primarily labeled as the son of Mary. He is called here the son of God. It goes to his essence. It goes to his nature. God's son, God himself, born in the flesh. And so despite these these fears that she had, despite these questions, what happened with Mary was true with every one of the people In the Christmas story, she responded with a willingness to obey. Joseph did the same thing. We looked at him last week. Fear, questions, doubts, yet decided to trust God. She said to God, okay, I'm going your way. I'm going to trust you. Here's what it says in verse 38. Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as according to your word. Let what you said take place in my life. I'm going your way. I'm following you. Now, over the course of centuries, there's been some very kind of elaborate and inaccurate theologies built about this person called Mary. There's a doctrine, theology out there that says she remained a virgin until she died. We don't see any of that here in the scripture. It's called the perpetual virginity of Mary. There's a doctrine that says that Mary was also born of the Holy Spirit without an earthly father. It's called the Immaculate Conception. We don't have any evidence of that from the Scripture. There's a doctrine that's called the Assumption of Mary that says that Mary did not die. She didn't have a physical death like any other human being. She ascended into heaven. There's another doctrine out there that says that Mary was a co-redeemer that she was a maternal mediator who hears and answers prayers and who mediates and dispenses grace. But what we learn from the scripture is that Mary was not a source of grace. She was a recipient of grace. You want to know what Mary thought about herself? It's right here. I am the servant of the Lord. That's how she saw herself. She didn't say, I'm the queen of heaven. I'm the servant of the Lord. And then down in verse 47, she says something else about herself. In in this song of praise at this news, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God. What? My Savior. Mary understood that she needed a Savior. She was a simple, this is the point, she was a simple, humble little girl who was given a great privilege and a great responsibility. And as the servant that she was, she responded and she said, let it be done to me as according to your word. So there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from Mary. Too many to talk about this morning. But here's the biggest thing. If you want to have a merry kind of Christmas, here's the takeaway for us today. We've got to learn this. 
which is what Mary experienced. God seeks to use ordinary people to achieve extraordinary purposes. Now again, let's, let's let that sink. Because you're included in that. And so am I. I want, I want to remind you today that when Jesus came into the world, it wasn't just a child that was born. Someone else was born that day on Christmas. At every child's birth, a mother is born. And whereas once there was a young, frightened, humble girl, there became a woman who became a mother. A woman, a person who was changed as a result of cooperating with God in his plan, a woman who was changed as a result of participating in God's will, just as with Mary. God wants to use every human being in his work. Mary tells us that God uses human instruments who are not necessarily talented or gifted, but who are what? Willing. It is not our ability that matters in God's economy. It is our availability that matters. Time and again in the scripture, we see how God uses imperfect, seemingly insignificant people. Unqualified, if you will. Abraham was old. Moses was a fugitive. David was just a shepherd boy. Naomi was a widow. uh, Jonah ran from God. I mean, look at the disciples. The disciples were not the sharpest knives in the drawer. (laughs) But what did they do? They said yes to Christ. They said, I'll follow you. And it made all the difference in the world. God takes great glory by using that which seems unusable. God loves to make big things small and small things big. Every one of us is a candidate for God to use. He has a plan. He has a purpose for each and every one in this room. Kids, he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Teenagers, he has a purpose and plan for your life. Adults, he has a purpose and plan for the rest of your life. Will you join him in it? That's what we learn from Mary. We learn that God is writing a story in history. And each one of us has a role in it. So, in truth, I, I learned from Mary that I, I don't have an excuse. <laughs> I no longer have an excuse for not giving my life to him. I cannot hide behind the excuse that, well, I'm a nobody, or I don't have gifts, I don't have talents, I don't have money, I don't have ability. Here's the question that is begging to be asked and answered through the life of Mary. Here it is. Do you believe that God can do great things, impossible things, through your life too? Do you believe that? And if you believe that, will you act upon it by saying to God, let it be to me as according to your word. Do in my life what you will. Do you believe as Mary believed, what the angel pronounced in verse 37, when Gabriel said, for nothing shall be impossible with God. Nothing shall be impossible with God. So all the fear, all the doubts, all the questions, 
and then the resolve to obedience resulted in a great, amazing song of praise. That's how the story concludes in verses 46 through 55. And I'll remind you today that the greatest Christmas carol in history was not written by Irving Berlin or Nat King Cole. The greatest Christmas carol in all of history was not Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. It's not White Christmas. It's not even Silent Night. The greatest Christmas carol of all time was composed 2,000 years ago by a young, pregnant teenage girl. And it begins with, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, who has looked upon his humble servant. And she goes on to describe how God would use her in his great redemptive plan. This is what we learn from Mary, folks, this Christmas. Don't worship Mary. She doesn't want she doesn't want worship. I think she'd be appalled. I think she'd be grieved if she knew that was happening. See her instead for what she is, as described here in God's Word. See her as a faithful, submissive, humble young girl who gave herself to whatever God wanted to do with her. See her as very ordinary, but see her as being used to accomplish and achieve very extraordinary things. The message of Christmas is that God is still doing his work. And he seeks to do it in you and in me. He seeks to do it through you and through me. Mary said yes to God. Will you? Will we? Will 2018 be the year that we say yes to God? where we say, I'm going God's way. Plan A has not been working. (laughs) I'm going to try God's plan. And we'll be all the blessed for it. Let's bow and let's pray. Father, thank you again for recording this amazing story for us, preserving it for us in your word getting able to read between the lines, beyond the words, to understand that this was a real little girl who was used for an amazing purpose. And it was solely because she would say yes to you. So, Father, give us the faith. Give us the courage that we need. Give us the strength that we need to respond to you in the affirmative, to respond to you with a resounding yes, to say, God, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? To say, God, the answer is yes. You just fill in the blank. And that as you stretch us, as you help us to find the courage to follow you, that you would strengthen us in that process And that our journey, our adventure, like Mary's, would be an adventure of great peace and great praise. That we, though insignificant and small, could be used by you. Help us to have a merry kind of Christmas. In Jesus' name.
Amen.